to The Truth and It's Art. I am your host, the Rob Lee. Yes, I've had the Rob Lee, which is a drink here for, for my guests who I'll, I'll hold off until we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. But uh, today, I have the privilege of being in conversation with an illustrator based out of Massachusetts with a focus on horror and game art. Please welcome Nick Tofani. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Rob. Uh, what a delight. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. That's great. All right, see ya. See ya. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> yeah, you had um, me in. Now I'm gone. <laughs> so just for context, so there's a drink um, named after me in Baltimore, and mm-hmm. I just went to the restaurant that serves it before doing this podcast. And uh, when I go there, it's like, are you having one of you? And I was like, hold up. And I thought about it. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm having a Rob Lee. It's delicious. It's vermouth and, and uh, bourbon. It's delicious. That's incredible. Well, how did you get a drink named after you? I know this isn't the point of the podcast, but I got to know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm friends with the owner. so. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that, that's still super cool. Could you imagine <laughs> if the drink was bad, though? <laughs> like, oh, that was just his way of being like, I actually don't like you, Rob. We <laughs> <laughs> absolutely test kitchen at first. He was like, how is it? I was like, it's good. I'm proud to have my name on it. And oh, yeah. for, for, for context... I had a um, I had a guest who did an interview, and he was like, "I went to that restaurant. and I had the Rob Lee." He's like, "Are you that Rob Lee?" And I was like, "I am." I was like, "You had my drink. You've tasted me." <laughs> yeah. Out there of context, very strange thing to say to somebody. <laughs> I, I like to do that though. I like to keep it weird. Yeah. Um, no. Hell yeah. <laughs> so so as we as we get started here again, thank you for coming on to the podcast and. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and indulging me because it's it's gonna get weird. Um, but before we get oh, before good. we get too too deep into it, share share your story. Like ultimately, like how did you you know start and you know where does the story start? What sort of creative things did you do as a young person? And I have a few other questions related to that. But let's start off with some of that sort of introductory stuff. I mean, I, I guess it really just started with uh, me. One of the first movies I remember seeing as a kid, literally the first movie I remember seeing as a kid, was Child's Play 2. Not the first one, the second one. Because <laughs> my, my uncle like just put it on, and we was, it was like on the TV. And it had commercial breaks, because I remember very vividly seeing Chucky like stalking through a doorway, and they're like, we'll, we'll be right back to Child's Play 2. And then it was like a commercial for Pop-Tarts. And just being like, ah, Pop-Tarts are terrifying. <laughs> And for a long time, I was just like terrified of dolls and mannequins and things like that. But like, it it was like such a weird feeling to be scared. And I, but it was like fun almost. So like, I started seeking that stuff out. And you you remember, I mean, everyone knows like scary stories to tell in the dark, right? Yeah. Yeah. My my cousin would like steal those books from the library when I would like try to find them. So like, I never had them and he'd have them at his house. So I just read them there. And I remember those illustrations just like really standing out to me. And uh, just it was just so unnerving and weird and like no real organization to it. And I loved it so much just because like there's so much that you don't see on the page. But like your mind starts wondering, like, what's going on here? What's the whole story here? Like, I know there's stories that go with the illustrations, but a lot of those illustrations are just like their own sort of thing, even without the story. And it's just like that's what I love about horror and uh, storytelling in general is just like uh what's left up to the imagination you know yeah i um i mean he he's deprecated and he's he's terrible or canceled or whatever but i remember this sort of comment around um from james franco when he did that uh documentary interior leather bar and 
he was like, yeah, you did a movie cruising in 1980. And it was like, yeah, we're not going to show any of this sort of like gay leather culture stuff or what have you. And we're going to cut all of this out. And he's like, this is weird. He's like, I'm going to do a documentary showing what I think happens in here because you guys cut it out. And it is wildly explicit and wildly like, oh, this is just inside of a bar. But he was like, I'm theater of the mind. This is what I think is ha- happens in between these points we see in the movie. This yeah. is frame like a companion piece to the serial killer and this leather community or what have you. Yeah. And I think that there's something there. And I, I was having a conversation uh, recently and I was talking about really being immersed when you come across, let's say what um, I remember watching American, uh, what is it? American crime story about OJ mm-hmm. and then watching the 30 for 30 about OJ and kind of filling in those different gaps. And I mm-hmm. watch things like that. And then I get, you know, white rabbit going down the rabbit hole, filling in <laughs> all of those things to get the full story. And it's you like, just have like a course board behind you with all the little pinpoints and red string. You're like, did OJ really do it? <laughs> 100%. 100%. It's like he did it and he scored a touchdown afterwards because he's terrible. <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, in, in kind of filling in those sorts of sorts of things. And that's that's the way I think consuming something works and also child's play too i think that's the one i don't know if it's that's not the one when he says you heard me bitch and it's so funny that is that is the one yeah yeah oh no no yeah and like uh it ends with them in like the doll factory which is like one of the best like set pieces or set whatever for any horror movie conclusion ever just a bunch of chuckies all over the wall and then they like kill him like eight (laughs) times (laughs) it's insane it's so so talk about and I, and I remember like you know watching a lot of horror movies as a kid. I think um, mm-hmm. mine's was usually like definitely the slasher. So you know Freddy, Jason, that that kind of stuff, or what have you. Um, and mm-hmm. we may have a we may have a horror question later in this rapid fire portion of the pod. Oh, good. So, so what got you into like illustration and talk about like some of your your education, schooling skills, or what have you that kind of helped you go into this path of the work that you're doing. Uh, so. Like I said, like horror movies, things like that. For a long time, I didn't draw horror uh, because mm-hmm. I thought I would be like judged for it or like people would look at me weird. But they already looked at me weird. So like at a certain point, it just kind of broke in my brain. I'm just like, or more of a breakthrough where I was just like, eh, who cares? I'll just do it because I enjoy it, you know. Uh, but I I loved uh, just illustration in general, like the Stinky Cheese Man, Lane Smith, his work, uh, Edward Gorey, like the just all uh tommy diapolo who's like a massachusetts guy he was a big one uh he had that one story about like an old lady who made some spaghetti and it flooded the town <laughs> and even even this one book that's like required learning in massachusetts i kid you not uh well it seemed like it it was like a children's illustrated book about the great molasses spill and on the cover is just like a child drowning in molasses and like we're, we're playing it off like it's this fun whimsical thing that happened in boston when like eight people died <laughs> But yeah, so so just like drawing pictures and watching cartoons, things like that uh, was really big for me. And I mean, everything I have is basically self-taught. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, like most artists, majority of artists, I would say I pull inspiration from basically everywhere. Uh, and, you know, if I see something new I want to try, I'll try it out. And if I like it, I'll keep doing it. And, you know, repetition makes practice makes perfect uh but <laughs> i just i mean i just love drawing i I've, i always have and it's only until recently like within the last 
like a little before the pandemic where I was just like, I'm going to just draw what I want to draw and not worry what people think and not be so like critical of myself. And that's when I actually got like a lot better at it. And I enjoyed it a lot more not to be like, Oh, I'm good at drawing, but like, I'm okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I have a lot more fun with it now. I'll I'll say that. And and thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I think it's something about doing it for yourself and if people like it, that's when you're finding your tribe and the people that dig it. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's, it's a thing where, I see people's stuff and maybe coming from this sort of spot of I'm not an art critic. I'm not, you know, I'm not, not doing that. I'm a person that likes what I like and really being resolute in that, um, you know, it was a few pieces that really stuck out to me when I, I saw you at the small press expo. That's where we initially met for, for the folks listening um, that I got a lot of Junji Ito vibes. And I was just like, is this intentional? This guy absolutely has to have. And I know I was watching a lot of Junji Ito collection, but I was like, nah, we got to talk. <laughs> uh, well, I, I do love Junji Ito. Uh, and I recently, uh, they Crunchyroll, or I think it's Crunchyroll, they do like this, or Viz, Viz, the manga publishing company, they do like a series of videos with Junji Ito where he reviews like horror comic stuff or like horror art. And he reviewed one of my things and he really liked it, it seemed like. And I was like, this is the coolest thing that could ever happen. Like, this is the <laughs> this is the pinnacle. There's nowhere else but down from here. Uh, but it was so cool. Uh, and But I've loved Junjito for a long time. Like, I don't want to be hipstery. Like, I, I like Junjito before it was cool. But, like, <laughs> I do I do remember when I, like, back in, like, 2011, just first finding his stuff and being, like, obsessed with it. And just, like, going down the rabbit hole of all of his comics and, like, seeing just the body horror that he does. That's my favorite type of horror, by the way. Body horror, the best. It's so good. It's just visceral. It's freaky. It's, like could this happen to me sort of thing? <laughs> <laughs> we, we, that, I'm, I'm updating my question as I go along now. Thank you. Uh, okay. Yeah. So what is, what would you say if, 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 if someone came to you and said, what is the one drawing that represents you? Like within your portfolio, what would be that one drawing that if this was your, your real, this is the one piece you're submitting what would that piece be and why of your work? Um, I would say for me, the one that I really like the most uh, and I want to like represent me, um, it's this piece I did where it's just like a face with its head tilt back and the eyes looking forward and just kind of like a grimace on its face. And it just kind of looks like it's sort of like drifting apart. Uh, and I think uh, I titled it, I've seen the worst of it. It's just, it's very... Uh, I don't know. It's 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 just like the way I drew the expression just like happened on accident. But like, I love how it looks and it just it freaks me out when I look at it sometimes. And I don't know, it just it's just very I I say it represents me the best because it's just like there's a lot of pain in those eyes. (laughs) I say as I laugh. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but I don't know. I I really like that one. But um, outside of that, I guess anything that's like just a uh, freaky little ghost. <laughs> I like those. That, that might be the name, I, of the, the name of the podcast, Freaky Little Ghost. <laughs> freaky Little Ghost with, with your host, Robin Nick. <laughs> hey, the new podcast spinoff. off. We got it. We're there. Just, just a monochromatic Casper. 
Yeah. Oh my God. I saw, uh, I sorry to go off topic or whatever, but like I saw like there's there. Uh, so my girlfriend was having a uh, presentation for her thesis, like an art school thing. And one of the people in her class uh, was talking about spooky buddies, like in depth, the movie spooky buddies, which like no one's ever seen spooky buddies. What the hell is that? And then like, she just like, like, I don't know what it had to do with her art or her thesis or anything. It just like, but she started showing pictures of like this Casper body dog. It was just like Casper's body with a dog's head superimposed on it. And that was like the plot of spooky buddies. And I don't know why it just made me think of that. And it was awful. <laughs> I literally just typed in spooky buddies. Now I'm going to end up watching it later. Cause you know, the OG <laughs> Harlan Williams is in it, and I gotta make that happen. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you gotta watch it if Harlan Williams is in it. I didn't know that. They didn't mention that at all in their thesis. What the hell? Hey, I can't forget the great Harlan Williams. Um, no, you can't. What are you talking about? So, you said you're, earlier, you said you're drawing inspiration from, like, like everywhere, and I, I, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff that I do is very similar, where you know, I might draw inspiration for a question. I have like a kind of a solid spot that I get stuff from, but when that's not quite firing, it's like if I'm walking around in, you know, in Baltimore where I'm based, I'm going to get something out of that. Or even at the small press expo, I'm going to get something out of that. It's going to inform how I go about questions and trying to get into the head of a guest. Right. So talk to me about, you know, how do you approach brainstorming and conceptualizing your ideas for illustrations? Like, you know, talk about that process a bit. Um, I guess just like going throughout my day and when I have like, I, I, I struggle with anxiety. I, I'm medicated for it. I go to therapy. I do all the work, you know, do the work, folks. Anyway, uh, but like just anything that sort of like freaks me out or stands out or just seems a little off is always just like a place for inspiration. Like just driving down the road late at night by yourself in like a wooded area can be freaky and then you're just thinking about like those old urban legends about like the person in the back seat and like the high beams on and i i was obsessed with urban legends when i was younger i mean i still kind of am but like i would i would research them in depth but uh things like that just like any little thing that like seems kind of uh innocuous but then like when you really let your imagination start to run really freaks you out that's where i find most of my inspiration from just like little everyday things that somehow devolve into being these terrifying experiences just because like you're letting your imagination run wild mm -hmm. yeah yeah the uh anxiety that sort of stuff is, is it's kind of an interesting motivator like um it can make you do things you didn't think you'd do it's like mm -hmm. oh yeah uh, I guess I'm gonna lose this weight out of fear, or get on that get on that bike, <laughs> or whatever it is, right? And but definitely yeah. on occasion, I, I run into some of the urban legends and some you just can't get away from. Uh, I, I don't know if it was the, actually the movie Urban Legend or not, or maybe it was a snippet from one of those like old sort of uh, maybe creep show type of flicks. It was one that I remember that's like, "Hey, lady, can I get a ride?" It's like she hit a dude. It was creep show that bugs me out i, I can't yeah. deal with it or because I, I live alone right so if i go home i'm like if i watch something that's a little too like nah it's a little too on the nose i don't want to wake up to a hammer to the face let me check the crib yeah i, I think that was creep show too where she hits the homeless guy with her car and then like yeah. he's just dragging along the roof and everything i love creep show too if only for the one segment where they go out on the raft and there's like the oh thing in the gosh. water yeah, yeah, and it yeah. just like one of the most painful looking scenes ever of that person getting split in half and just dragged down into the raft is like it stuck with me it's 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 rough and i i watch a lot of horror like i definitely Ooh. have uh shutter 
you know, yeah. and um, just watching what was it, the 101 greatest scares or what have you, and being able to revisit, there was a few things that I hadn't seen. So like watching the, uh, what is it, the autopsy of Jane Doe, I was like, this is fire. I like this. I like this a lot. Oh, yeah. And I'd never seen it before. And I was like, God, why did I miss this? I was like, this is a cast that I jam with. And, you know, and it got me to thinking, like, how did they classify some of these things? What's a scene? What's a scare? Like, the ring, that scene that they use for the ring is not necessarily the scariest scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I get it. You know, I get that they, they maybe voted on it or something. Yeah. So in terms of maybe how you go about classifying your work and categorizing your work, what is the thought that goes into that? Like, I try to, in doing this, I'm very hesitant to say, oh, this is a Q&A or this is an interview, but I think for the audience, it's like, this is an interview with this person. How do you go about categorizing and, and classifying your work? Um, uncomfortable. <laughs> Unless, like, it, it's weird. <laughs> uh, it, it's weird. It's like a lot of the stuff I draw, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, it kind of has, like, the same running theme of just, like, strangers staring at you or eyes just watching you and i'm just like is that like a subconscious thing that i'm doing now i'm realizing it uh and like when i'm not doing those like it i'll i'll draw stuff like that when i'm like in a good mood like just like freaky like people staring at you sort of thing because it's always in the back of my mind and then when i'm like depressed i start drawing really stupid meme drawings like (laughs) just like redoing renaissance paintings as damn shoddy okays uh but like it I don't know. It's it's just it's weird how I just like bounce between that. But yeah, I don't know. I guess uh, just the feeling of anxiety and the terror of anxiety and the unknown and just a uh, uh, theater of the mind sort of thing. Um, but I, I noticed that like with the pandemic and how everything's been, uh, at least before the pandemic, horror movies were pretty scarce and like they would come out every now and then. And there'd be like, there was a period of like really bad, like B grade slasher movies coming out. Like the, I know what you did last summer sort of movies, all that. There was like a bunch of those, but nothing really outside of that realm. And then years later we have the pandemic and like hereditary comes out and then like elevated horror becomes like a thing. People love that. And it seems like because everyone's been home alone and forced into introspection, uh it's made people really gravitate towards horror more and that's why we're seeing so much more of it now than we ever have just because like people are looking for something else to be scared of than their own thoughts <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. it's um it's, it's very true and you know one of the things that uh you you, you met my partner like her ki- her kids girlfriend uh she's like she's one of those i don't get afraid from it i'm afraid by by anything Horror movies don't scare me at all. So we've been on this thing for the last few months. So we're going to find something. We're going to find something that scares you. And mm-hmm. we learned that, oh, she doesn't sleep. I say, oh, you don't really sleep. So that's that's what the issue is. Go to sleep and just like, oh, everything is afraid. Everything terrifies me. We're going to find something. <laughs> oh, my brain's working now. Oh, no. But yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's certain things that, because I do this thing of going back and looking at, like, maybe where the root of things come from. So uh, a couple months ago, I ended up watching uh, Deliverance for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, ding, 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 right. ding. And I was like, oh, it's a 50 year old movie. It's like, it's fine. I'm not really. But then, you know, I remember even going a little bit further back and watching, I think I've never seen the original Exorcist. Right. But I think I've seen Exorcist three for some reason. 
Well, that's the best one, so that's fine. That's the best one. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of like one of those things. And then seeing, like, people have, like, a discourse around, like, movies that just didn't really hit the mark, especially, like, sort of these horror movies. Like, mm-hmm. that first remake continuation of Halloween, the, the Danny McBride, whatever. Yeah. They, that was fine, but the last two sucked, especially Halloween Ends. Stunk. Mm. Yeah, and I was just like, "What? What is this?" And I feel like I'm able to have more. I think to your point about more people having an interest in that genre, I'm able to have more discourse in it versus people saying, "I don't know what you're talking about." I, oh God, you're gonna make me go off on a tangent about those Halloween movies. But like, I kind of like first off with the third one, if they had just made that like a through line through the movies of that kid whatever becoming you know the next michael myers spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen the bad movie yet um (laughs) (laughs) um the and then like for some reason it's like years later michael myers walks away no one follows him years later jamie lee curtis's daughter's dead and she's just like "Eh, i'm fine i gave up on my whole like vengeance thing i don't really care anymore it's like oh because your daughter got murdered you'd think that would be the thing to like make her want to fucking go after michael myers (laughs) this is literally what i said watching the movie i was like oh just gonna make pies now okay cool yeah it turns out the problem she had was with her daughter not michael myers (laughs) And every, when Judy Greer died, she's like, all right, whatever, we'll move on. Yeah, well, got rid uh, of her. Good, good. Yeah, all right, cool. Man, don't, don't need to worry about that anymore. But it's just, it's so stupid. Oh, my God. I just, like, there was no real, like, cohesion between the movies. It just felt like someone else directed each one, even though I know that's not the case. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that, was, that's bad. That, yeah, that's, that's the thing. And I think. You know, you you want to see more of it and you want to see more of sort of this media around that those sorts of themes, that sort of genre, if you will. Of, yeah. This can be scary or what have you, because you're looking back, books used to be scary. Now books aren't scary enough. So we need to make books scary again. You know what the problem is? The Internet, the Internet exists. And so like everyone's exposed to everything now. So we're all we're all going to get those scares of like random things every now and then. And then we build up a tolerance for it. And then there's nothing that surprises us anymore. And that's why it feels like every every news cycle is 24 hours at most, because like something big happens and then we just forget about it the next day because we just like there's just too much happening all the time because we have too much access to information. And that's why we're not scared of stuff anymore. How do you feel that that has affected the Internet, right? Has affected um, illustration, has affected like your work, whether positive or negative, because I know now we have this sort of AI stuff and artists are getting, you know, kind of squeezed out. And I know that they're doing audio AI. So that's also infringing in this sort of area as well. That's an issue um, mm-hmm. that I don't, I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts around and how has like the Internet is sort of technology in that space kind of impacted your work? Um, well, it hasn't impacted me personally, uh, because, I mean, I think AI would break if it tried to copy what I do just because it's so messy uh, <laughs> and it wouldn't be able to make that sort of a mess uh, unless it was organic. But um when it comes to like other illustrator friends of mine who have like much more cleaner professional like lined work and it's really good i i see like the ai just it runs their stuff through it and it basically just tries to make a one-for-one copy except for the hands for some reason are always fucked up and i don't like that's terrifying right there just like the idea of a person 
<laughs> just looking completely normal and then just having these like fucking AI hands is just kind of terrifying in itself. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, like there is like the fear that it's going to take jobs from people because the problem is like corporations and like people who hire artists for big jobs don't really care about art. They just care about, you know, making the bottom line and attracting customers. And if they can do that with something that costs way less for them, then they're going to do that. But as soon as they start doing that, they're just going to charge more for AI and it's just going to be the same shit all over again. But I don't know. I'm not scared of it. I just think it's garbage. And I don't like that it steals people's work in order to make itself work. You know, that's not art. It's and it doesn't extend. Nothing. Nothing is innovating there. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing that kind of kind of gets me as well. I'm on the same page with you. Where you know we talk about things that are scary, right? You know, it's really mm-hmm. scary. Black Mirror is scary because we see it every day. We it's yeah. like this feels like something from Black Mirror like three or four years ago. Especially with the whole voice thing, like um, you know how you, you'd have the fanboys, man. James Earl Jones is retiring. Don't worry. We have enough of his dialogue to make Darth Vader for the rest of eternity. Oh, my and God. That literally is an episode. I think the Dom Hall Gleason episode of Black Mirror, when he dies, they make a robot of him. It's like, oh, yeah, I have enough of his dialogue. Now I can just have a conversation with you. Yeah. that That is unnerving. <laughs> Remember when people were, like, freaked out when Tupac got a hologram made of him, and now we have, like, full CGI deepfakes of people, and it's just, like, yep. it's, it's yep. insane. Like, the and this technology and people putting their faces into ai photo generators don't realize that their information is being taken and like that shit can be used not like any of us are important enough yet that that would be a problem but like it's like it, the fact that it's out there is very uncomfortable and very unnerving that someone has access to that and they can just use it for whatever means they need yeah identity fraud is going to go to the next level that's all yeah, it is it- We've we've seen more and more of that during the during the pandemic because you know I think it's two things as you were touching on with you know people want to be afraid or want to have that distraction I think mm-hmm. it, it's it's closer to where it's at whether it's oh this is something to make you laugh ha 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 you know filters on the face or what have you and something to terrify you but really they're all distractions and it's all to get you to engage with whatever it is. And I don't know about you, but I got that filter on my phone now that says no calls that I don't recognize because I've gotten so many sketchy calls. And it's just like there was a leak. There was a hack. And I think you're right where it's more and more your identity, you know, from a Social Security number, I suppose, perspective is just like vulnerable. But your creative, potentially your creative identity Mm -hmm. is, you know, people are picking at it. How can I like do this? Um, I was I like puns, right? And my partner was joking. She was like, you know, they have the Wu Tang Clan name gener- generator. They should have a pun generator of your nonsense. So I was like, look, don't get me started. I'll write an algorithm, damn it. <laughs> I mean, I I feel like people would absolutely use that. It would be great. They would use that to make like D and D character names. Why not? <laughs> I I had um I'm going a comic um about uh, cat lawyers and um. I have a character that I'm talking about in there. I think I want him to be from the sanitation department in New Jersey. And I want him to be called the trash pandas. Oh, that's good. I I, I think that works really well, but they're going to be like mob guys. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. So so, uh, this is a very interesting question for me. Um, Mm. Describe your version of the artist lifestyle. Like what does that context mean to you? Like that idea 
Well, um, the ideal version of the artist lifestyle, I imagine, would be to just do art your entire life and make a living wage and, you know, be creative and have outlets for that and make work you can be proud of constantly. Uh, but what it really is, is just like a lot of <laughs> so, a lot of just like. Uh, trial and error and trying to make it work and having to have a full-time job just so you know you can make those ends meet and you can have insurance and you can you know survive uh because starving artists used to be a term that was thrown around back in the day but it wasn't like really a thing because like you know artists couldn't make enough to survive because they would just scrape they would scrape by but nowadays you know as an artist unless you're really making the big money from like corporations and stuff you are literally going to be starving uh, unless you have like a job as well. Uh, and that's that's what's tough about it. So like any free time that you have is most likely going to be dedicated to doing art and thinking about art and wanting to get better at art. But then you kind of fall into this cycle of like, oh, I wish I could be doing art right now. But then like as soon as you're doing too much art or art that you don't want to be doing for like a client or something like a project you don't care for, then you're like, oh, I hate this. I don't like art anymore. <laughs> and that's it. That's why it sucks, because everything's commercialized here in the old USA. Uh, and capitalism really does uh, kind of have a rope around the artist's necks, so to speak. Um but and now they're just ready to replace us with this artificial intelligence stuff. But hopefully the more people call it out and make fun of it, the uh, the less people are less likely to use it, you know, but who knows? I just feel like this chapter of the story is called Rise of the Art Pots. <laughs> so I think I think that's actually a good point to uh, go into this next question. Mm -hmm. Um Aside from money, because I think money is, is too easy as far as like what, what do artists need, what are three things that artists need and, and why do they need them? And I think that connects very closely to what you were just talking about there. No need versus want. What artists want is validation, for sure. Mm -hmm. A lot of artists, majority of artists, I, I even if they don't want to admit it, some of them, uh, they just want validation. They want attention. They want to be like known for their work, whatever. Um, it, it, you know, that's just the truth of it. But as soon as you stop seeking that and you start having fun with it, because that's why you've gotten to art in the first place, hopefully, uh, you know, you find more success with it. And you find that audience, like you were saying earlier, uh, you find your tribe. Um, but I guess uh, what artists need is a tribe, you know, people like minded artists to bounce ideas off of or just like have that sense of community because you can't just do it alone or you're just going to be miserable. Um, they need housing. <laughs> they need to be able to live somewhere. They need to be comfortable. Uh, and um, a love for their work. You know, they need to be able to enjoy what they do and uh, be able to maybe not like everything they make, but enjoy the process, you know, yeah. because it's, you know, it's like that old saying, uh, the real old saying, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. You know, or it's about the journey, not destination. And that's what it is with art, you know. Uh, it's about the process and not so much the final piece. And that's how art collectors really um, make out uh, their whole spiel of why a painting with some splots on it should be $5 million or whatever. <laughs> because it's, it's, about the it's, it's about the journey getting there and not the actual piece itself. And yeah. I think that can be translated to like smaller stuff, like just 
drawing a face or something, you know, just finding like a new way to make a line and just being like something lights up in your brain. And you're like, oh, this this rules. Like, I want to do more of this. I know why I like yeah. art again. Yeah. But yeah, basically that. Yeah. I, and I, I think the the part that definitely sticks out, and I agree with you, I think the part that, that sticks out is that, that sort of place, um, just having a place, you know, um, mm-hmm. I think that that lends, leans into the capacity to create. If you're so fixed on how am I going to afford my studio fees, how am I going to afford my living conditions and all of that, then you're taking a barista job that's going to take you away from or whatever, right? Whatever. Yeah, no, there's there's no shame in any sort of job. I mean, like, no. unless, you know, your job is killing puppies or something, then there's shame in that. But like, <laughs> but even then, you know, you got you got to pay the bills. Um, <laughs> Uh, gotta make a living. <laughs> gotta make a living. It's a living. Uh, but yeah, oh, I, it's, it's Flintstones reference. Anyway, uh, uh, I don't. It, it, it's tough because it's like you want to be able to live off your art, but realistically, especially nowadays with how many people are doing art and how many people, it's very competitive. You don't want it to be competitive because art, art's uh, about freedom of expression and being yourself. And when it becomes a competition in your mind and like you're competing against other people, then you lose what's fun about it. And like, you know, you're not doing art for the sake of art. You're doing it for the sake of success. And I think and every- if you, yeah, if, if you do it for, you know, the enjoyment of it, then maybe the success will follow. You know? And everybody's, everybody's different too. Like, you know, I find that I could try to rip off your style and do that, but that's you, that's your style that, you yeah. know, even, and that's where it goes back to the, the whole AI thing. Like nothing new is being generated. It's already taking for something that exists and mm-hmm. they're not Roy Lichtenstein in it. They're not doing that. They're, you know, it's something that that's different. It's something that is, it, it's kind of the thing that happens in music a little bit. I, I think, you know, Frank Ocean was talking about it in the song about like, you know, it's artificial, you know, you have this pitch correction, you have all of these things. I want the rough edges. I mm-hmm. want the, you know, you listen to a song, you hear the live version and somehow that you like that version more than the album version. Yeah. There's feeling there's rawness in it. There's and, soul in it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And with AI art, there's no soul there. It's a machine. It's ones and zeros. I didn't ask yep. for those. Yeah, I didn't ask for ones and zeros. I'm not a math person. I'm an art person. Get out of here. Yeah. So lastly, this is the last real question I got for you. Um, sure. And, and and again, this all ties. I think this is the kind of perfect culmination, crescendo, if you will, of this portion. What advice would you give for someone that's considering pursuing a career in art, in illustration, in horror specifically? Uh, what, what advice would you give them? Don't worry so much about what everyone else thinks. And... You know, just do what scares you or makes you happy, you know, Uh, and just uh, chase that sort of feeling that you had when you first got into art. And, you know, if you're just getting in it for the accolades, maybe art's not for you. (laughs) Just just have fun with it. Just have fun. And, you know, you'll find your people. And that's what matters. I love that. I I agree with that. All right. So, you know what time it is. It's time for the rapid fire portion. Oh, so rapid fire. You know how this this whole thing goes. Um, they're just quick questions. Don't overthink them. Okay. Uh, they're fun questions, though. All okay, right. great. All right. So here's the first one. Um, describe your art style in three words. Uh, spooky, scary, creepy. <laughs> Thank you. 
Sounds like you're describing Booberry, but thank you. I am. I'm, I'm actually describing Count Chocula. <laughs> it works. It works. It's yeah. very good. It's very good. Yeah. Uh, this is the one I updated. What are your top three body horror movies? Oh, okay. Uh, the Thing, The Blob remake from 1988, I believe, yep. and uh, Society. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've seen all of those. Society is ridiculous. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, there's probably a better option there, but that was the first thing I thought of when I thought of body horror. So. For a second, I thought you were going to say Suspiria. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, I would give it to Suspiria because the oh. ending of the remake there is insane. Um, <laughs> I don't want to go out on a limb or anything. Rim shot. Yeah. So let's see. So most of your stuff I've seen is um, kind of monochromatic, right? Mostly black and white. Um, yeah. If you were to incorporate a color into your work, what color would it be? Uh, red. A lot I, of I red. Can, I can already know why. I already know why. Yeah, because yeah, because yeah, bulls hate it. Because <laughs> lipstick. Because lipstick, and I, I want people to want to kiss it. <laughs> red is the color of romance. <laughs> And tomatoes, because people throw them at you. Yeah, and they go, boo. <laughs> boo is my answer. Here, here's the, uh, so I got, I got, I got two more. Um, sure. So, so Massachusetts, right? Mm. What is your quintessential Massachusetts food? Fish. Like, just like fish and chips. We do a lot of that here. I know they do that out in Seattle and stuff, too. And, like, Baltimore has, like, a lot of good seafood as well. But, uh yeah, no, we, we've got good fish and chips later. Good potatoes. A lot of Irish people out here. <laughs> that's really funny. Hey, a lot of potatoes. That's fine. That's fine. Here's the last one. Um, if you can... Uh, that's great. If you can turn any object in your room, so where you're currently at, into a character, what would it be and what would his personality be like? Uh... It's going to be this cup with bat wings, because uh, that's the first thing I saw. Um, or it's going to be, uh, it's going to be this little grimace, and it's going to turn into the grimace, <laughs> and he's going to want to steal all your milkshakes. I don't know, just like a just a little little bat wing guy who just goes, man, I'm, this is my new character that I'm that I'm workshopping right here right now. His name is Aegit Blah. He says, "Hey, blah." <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's yep. ridiculous. That's really funny. Uh, <laughs> thank you. So that's that's pretty much it. Um, you know, I, I think we got it. I think we got it all covered. Um, Brad. So what I what I would like to do is um, two things. I'd like to thank you for being on this podcast. Ooh, thank you for having me. Lots of lots of giggles from from my end and. Uh, Two, I'm going to invite and encourage you to uh, tell the folks where they can check you out, social media, website, all that good stuff. Floor yeah. is yours. Cool. Uh, so my Instagram handle is at Nickel Doodler. That's N-I-C-K-E-L Doodler, D-O-O-D-L-E-R. I wanted Nickel Doodle because I'm Nickel Doodle and everything else, but the lady who has that runs like a... Like she posts like a picture of food every five months, and I asked her if I could have it. I would pay her money for it, and she said no and didn't say anything else. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah uh nickel doodle on everything else uh you can also find me at uh, www.nickeldoodle.com that's my a lot of my work is on there so there you go it's not a fancy website but it is a portfolio uh yeah that's really it um and also if you close your eyes and think of me you can find me there in your heart uh yeah beautiful thanks <laughs>
That's great. So I want to again thank uh, Nick Tafani for coming on to the podcast. Nickel doodle, nickel doodle, nickel doodle. Nickel doodle. I'm like Beetlejuice. Now I have to leave. <laughs> I won't say it five times because then you'll pop up in the mirror and it's like, damn it, I'm dead. Ah, oh, no. And then I got a hook for a hand and a cool <laughs> for. Here's my question. Before we go, I know we're ending this, but I really got this is something that's always bugged me. Why does Candyman have that sick coat? Like that's nothing to do with his backstory. He just has this sick ass fur coat for no reason. He went thrifting. But, yeah, like he he died in like the fucking like before fur jackets were even a thing, I imagine. And they're just like, what if we made Candyman? I don't know. Look like a pimp. That would be sick. <laughs> I thought I knew you were gonna say a pimp by the way, which is really funny. <laughs> we were all thinking it. Like, Helen. He's like, oh! <laughs> Helen, where's my money? He's just like, like yeah. one of the others. He gave one of the other. The hook's doing it too somehow. <laughs> that's really funny. That's, that's great. So, again, I want to thank you for being on this podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying it is art, culture, any, in and around your neck of the woods. You just got to look for it. Yeah.